is the Days Are Update for April 14th, 2019. I'm Philippe Odenofo. I'm Patrick Mifflin. I'm Brandon Perkins. I'm Dan Red Victoria. I'm Chris Sologi. And I'm Lee Lamb. And uh, yeah, I hope everybody's had a good week. Uh, if you've been a Star Wars fan, you got a whole lot of good news to be looking forward to. Uh, anybody going to be going to Star Wars Land? Not this year. I am, yeah. actually. I'm going to be going. Um, my company does a trip to Orlando right. in November uh, for my wife's side of the company because she's in development. And uh, yeah, we're going to be uh, we're going to be hitting it up. I can't wait. <laughs> we we watched it. We were we were there um, last year. We saw that where they were building everything. Um, like I think it was in September. So it's gonna be nice coming back this year and actually doing it. I'm really excited. Yeah, looks. Yeah, cool. I'm gonna uh, try and see if I can get the family uh, convince them go maybe this fall. Yeah. Because um, yeah, I want to go to Star Wars Land. I want to see shit. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's like a full-on like role-playing experience going there. So it's, yeah, it's gonna be see the fun thing, the great thing about Walt Disney World is, you know, when you're young and you're a kid, you go there and it's like, oh, it's Mickey, and you know, there's a parade and rides and yay. When you get there, when you're older, you know, there's other stuff to go to, like you know, more food. educational type stuff and food and merchandising and. People watching and stuff well, like not that. Not just that. You, I think too, as an adult, you have an incredible, um, at least for me, an incredible appreciation for like how much stuff is actually going on behind the scenes. Oh yeah. We're just like, oh my god, these guys are wizards. Mm-hmm. Like I can't believe they can pull this all off. And then you go somewhere else, like Six Flags or something like that. You're like, this place blows. Yeah. <laughs> because everyone at Disney is happy, and everyone at every other park is pissed off. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, for me, being in California, you know, we have Disneyland, you know, about a hour flight away. Um, and, you know, obviously being here, we get a lot of the popular stuff first. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to deal with it the first month or in this case, the first year. Um, but I also haven't been to Orlando yet. I, I'd assume it's the same stuff. And I actually planned on going there during my birthday week this mm-hmm. year. But with Star Wars happening, I'm not so sure. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So. All right, so this is going to be a bit of a different show than uh, the usual, uh, mostly because uh, we've got a guest on. Been trying to get him on for the first uh, last couple of weeks, but you know, scheduling issues happened and stuff happened. So I'd like to introduce uh, Austin Stark uh, to the show. So uh, hey, welcome aboard. Hey Austin. guys, <clears throat> thanks for having me. Hey. Yeah, what's up, man? Yeah, Austin, is it is it true? That you wouldn't come on until I was doing the podcast naked because that's what they told me before I showed up today. <laughs> yeah, I made that a requirement. All right, fair enough. I don't so, blame you. Yeah. Test passed. Well, fi- finally, we got that done so I could be on. <laughs> so, well, we now have that image in our brains. That, yeah. That's for you, Teresa, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Uh, so before we get on to uh, the rest of the show, I wanted to touch a little bit briefly on uh, some of the stuff that happened last week uh, with the whole Borderlands and uh, Epic Game Store fiasco. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Randy Pitchford, who's a lying liar who lies, uh, is now a blocking blocker who blocks. Because uh, uh, if you dis- disagree with him, uh, even, if you're dis- even if you're respectful and rational, uh, he'll just yep. block you. Because yep. he he doesn't agree with what you know you have to say. Uh, you know no, if, if these people no, 
and I, I swear, if like they don't care what the, their customers have to say, then why even listen to them in the first place? Like, why give them conduits like that? So why don't they just like ignore all of their social media channels? Mm-hmm. Uh, just take their development internally, develop their games in a vacuum like it's the 1980s, uh, and uh, see how that goes for them. Because uh, it's it's about pretty much. <laughs> I think that would make them a lot happier, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, besides that, uh, Tim Sweeney did come out uh, in defense of the Epic Game Store. Uh, he There's been allegations that the uh, Epic Game Store was a nice, uh, you know, storage area for Chinese malware. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So he systematically went through and explained uh, how it all works. He defended it, and while a lot of cynical people might say that this is uh, damage control, uh, the the fact that he was so vehement about it uh, kind of makes me believe him. Uh, and the reason that is, is because Elon Musk got a $20 million fine for a 420 reference. So... Uh, <laughs> You know, the, the, I thought the, you were going to say that. Right? I thought you were going to say he was smoking with Elon Musk. No, <laughs> no. Although that wouldn't surprise me in the least. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like you know, the FTC doesn't uh, you know fuck around with this with this kind of stuff. Uh, so uh, if he's publicly saying this, and it mm-hmm. turns out that uh, it was true, uh, his company's ruined. Yeah. You know, uh, so, yeah, I, I, I tend to believe him in in this aspect. I'm still not installing the Epic Game Store because I don't actually have any use for it. Nope, uh, not right now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up and say, you know, give give him his due. Um, you know, some of the stuff that uh, he says I don't necessarily agree with because uh, he can be a bit of a crazy person. Uh, but in this case, yeah, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. So that's <laughs> off. All right. Okay. All right. So uh, let's get into. I'm not. No, you're you're still uh, you're still not on board. Just just completely irrationally. No, I'm not gonna. I totally hear everything that you're saying, but fuck him. <laughs> and um, I'm also uh, definitely on that uh, fuck Randy Pitchford bandwagon because he blocked me too when I said I wasn't buying Borderlands. Such a sweet man. <laughs> yeah. He's a treasure. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Uh, so uh, we brought Austin on because uh, he is the creator of a very cool Switch accessory, which uh, Dan Reb uh, basically uh, brought us brought us our... Yeah, I, I cannot words today. Uh, <laughs> brought to our attention is what I've been trying to say for the past 10 minutes. Uh, so yeah, Brent, Dan Reb, you want to uh, basically introduce uh, what we're doing here? Yeah. Um... I met Austin, I think, uh, beginning of March uh, last month when um, Kind of Funny did their um, uh, meetup in San Francisco. Um, and yeah, they're, 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 their community is known for being really positive. And Austin was one of the guys I met because he was looking around his uh, Switch fix. And for those of you that, that don't know about it, we'll go ahead and leave, leave a link um, in the, in the uh, show notes and the article. Um, and basically, it's a um, Switch accessory that is a 3D print that'll mold around your um, pro controller. 
so you can use the screen and not have to use the Joy-Cons. Along with that, it also doubles as a stand for your Switch to put in the flat to put in the flat surface, which is a whole lot better than the um, kickstand that they have in, on the back of it. And um, I've used it a whole lot more than I thought I would. I've actually brought it on me, uh, brought it with me to a few trips that I had. And yeah, like being able to use the Pro Controller um, uh, this way has been has been awesome. And yeah, let's go ahead and have Austin talk about it. Yeah, thanks guys for having me on again. Um, yeah, so I originally got the idea um, for Switch Fix when I bought a Pro Controller. Um, I kind of, you know, loved the Pro Controller instantly, and um, thought, Ooh, you know, why can't why can't I put these two things together or use this on the go? Um, so I kind of waited around because I assumed, you know, someone would eventually make it, and I waited for a while, and it seemed like no one um, was going to start working on it. So I thought, Hey, I'll just, um, I'll spend a few weeks trying to design it, um, and throw it on Amazon and see where that goes. But I ended up spending like six months cause I just kept wanting to make it better and better. Um, until I got to, uh, kind of where it is now and, uh, decided to try and start selling it and see what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you have an engineering background or is it just something you decided to take on on just for the hell of it? Yeah. So I kind of always wanted, um, to design things. Actually, my goal is I've always kind of wanted to create things that people love to use. Um, so I have an undergraduate degree in mechanical engineering. Um, but I kind of wanted to learn more about how to design things people wanted. So I got a, um, I went back to school for, uh, um, a master's degree in industrial design, um, which is kind of more the art and um, humanity side of designing products. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I kind of, you know, I kind of tried to pull from both skills. Um, you know, currently I, I design um, f- for work TV lifts. So your TV will be in a ceiling and it'll drop out or um, above your fireplace and it'll come down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it'd be fun, you know, to try and do my own thing. Um, and really, you know, uh, I feel like a lot of times at work you're told, no, you can't do this idea or even though you think it, you know, might be beneficial. Um, so I kind of wanted to branch out and try and, you know, design my own products and really put the thought and, uh, you know, I, th- I think it, I think it kind of gives me the ability to put more heart into it when I know that I can make it um, as good as possible. So you're coming at it from both the, uh, the, the mechanical side and the human side. Do you, you ever find that those two, uh, aspects kind of collide and like are directly in conflict with each other? Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I've actually thought a lot about this. Um, I think, you know, it, it uh, you, you have to make it, it's, um, you have to make things that, you know, people want ultimately. Um, so I, th- I feel like it's just about putting in the extra work to figure out the um, physics and the manufacturing and the more logical processes. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of try and start with like the experience I want to create and then use like the engineering degree to f- figure out how to create that experience from a mechanical side um, and then, you know, I guess also the, you know, more aesthetic, um, parts too is, 
uh, from industrial design. Um, that's, that's also hard to figure out, uh, you know, how am I going to make this look good and still work well? Um, but yeah, I think it's just, you know, you keep trying and trying and you fail and, uh, you just keep chipping away until you make it better and better. Mm -hmm. So, um, let me ask you a quick question. So this is Lee, uh, and, and Dan, uh, Dan told me about this and I looked at the, the stuff that you had on the website and Phil sent that stuff over. And, um, first of all, I think it, I think it looks fascinating that you'd even come up with something like this, but what, what was, what made you say like, this is, I need to design this or I want to design this. Is it just cause the, the switches ergonomics are terrible in handheld mode? Uh, yeah, well, I think it stemmed from how much I liked the pro controller and not understanding why there wasn't a way to connect the two. Um, but yeah, the, the switches ergonomics and handheld mode aren't always the best. I think, you know, normal abled people, um, can kind of compensate for the design. Um, but I think, you know, if someone starts to get arthritis or, you know, start, start to become less abled, um, or differently abled, then it, it, it's really makes the switch, um, start to be hired to hold. Um, there's kind of a story about how OXO good grip started where there was, there was a lady who had, um, arthritis and she couldn't peel potatoes anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and they thought, well, you know, why not? So, uh, the guy started to design a potato peeler um, and kind of realized that the shape of it wasn't, you know, uh, the shape of a, a good shape to hold. Um, so, so, you know, he's, he, he ended up designing this really ergonomic, um, uh, potato peeler. And then, you know, you kind of realize that when you design something for people on the outsides or, you know, um, the extremes, then it ends up, usually ends up benefiting everybody in the middle too. Um, so that's kind of, kind of where, you know, I, I, I wasn't consciously thinking about all that when I was designing it, but, um, I kind of, you know, have that in the background. Um, it's something I studied in uh, design school. Um, but I think the big ergonomic feature of switch fix is the ability to place the screen above your hands. And I think, um, you know, as an engineer, I had thought about, um, uh, you know, center of mass and where that is every day. So I actually think that really helped me in just having the natural thought to put, to be able to adjust the screen above your hands where pass controller mounts, the screen's always in the back, which makes it torque, you know, puts a moment on your hands and kind of torques it out. And, you know, they're kind of uncomfortable to hold, but this, um, switch fix really helps get the balance right which I think is especially important because the switch is a lot bigger than a cell phone. Right. Yeah. I noticed that when I was looking at <clears throat> at the video that you had and the way that it, that everything was, was sort of displayed. Like if you, even if you mess with like an NVIDIA shield or like you, you mess with any like these, um, like the eight bit dough controllers, you can get a mount for, for a phone. Like none of it is actually set up where it's actually really comfortable for where your hands are. And so, yeah, that was one of the other things that I noticed with the, with the, the design was, it's really interesting being able to adjust it however you need to so it actually works for you. And I, I, the reason I ask is 
you're talking about people being uh, differently or like ably challenged. I mean, I'm, I'm, I work for a software company, so I'm typing most of the day and I'm, I'm finally at the age now where my hands are starting to hurt. And so like gripping different things, it can be really difficult. Like it's funny you mentioned OXO stuff cause we have a ton of their stuff in our house because my wife also has really bad arthritis in one of her hands. Um, so like we, we actually have trouble a lot of the time with controllers for her. Um, but like the switch, the switch pro controller actually works really well. So I think it's really interesting that, that that's part of how you came up with it. Cause I do think like based on what you initially designed for and then kind of what the end result also ends up being is something that, that fills a bunch of different, uh, uh different caveats that, that maybe that wasn't your intention, but it, it certainly, uh, has the benefit of, especially for people that end up, you know, uh, sort of, uh, challenged with with being able to use their hands like i can't play my switch in handheld mode without without a grip it's impossible i can't i can't hold it properly without it hurting oh right yeah yeah so well yeah i've i was i feel kind of lucky that you know i i wasn't necessarily thinking about that but that you know it it ends up hopefully being able to help some people um you know people had a few people had reached out so I sent a couple to Able Gamers, um, and they seemed like you know it's something they liked too. So you know, I'll, I'll send I'll send some. You know, is I'll I'll try and send as many as they they'd ask me for. But um, you know, I'm I'm working on an Indiegogo for this, so I can mass produce them. Um, so it'd be a lot easier to send them some if that's successful. Yeah. Uh... So the, about that about that so you're still like producing these by hand right now yeah so i'm 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 actually i took down sales um for these uh so i could focus on um but you know trying to trying to build the cash flow i need to for manufacturing um so it, that that's definitely been a learning process for me because um you know i thought it's a pretty good design. I think people, you know, will see it and want to buy it. But um, really realizing how difficult marketing is uh, was kind of a wake up call. <laughs> kind of interesting. So that's that's a that's a new process. But yeah, the Indiegogo is going. Uh, the pre launch page is up, um, and uh, hopefully, you know, we'll be able to launch the campaign in the next month or two. Yeah, uh, I suspect this is going to. Uh, work out pretty well because uh, you're definitely filling a need uh, that mm-hmm. you know and even the one thing I really love about like the entire switch category is that uh, it's full of products that fill a particular need it's not they don't necessarily have to be huge mainstream hits uh, but as long as there's enough people that need them it's it is viable it, they don't doesn't have to be a huge blockbuster yeah is what I'm saying right Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of cool too, because people love the switch so much. So anything that, you know, helps them enjoy it more, um, you know, people, people, you can kind of piggyback on that love. Oh yeah. <laughs> the switch. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so- it is interesting that the switch is attracted that kind of thing. I can't think of another system besides like the OG game boy that had so many different styles of accessories that could go with it that were produced by all kinds of different companies not at well, this boutique level but i mean i, I would i would say the original nintendo did but nintendo actually produced most of those accessories yeah. so yeah, yeah. remember yeah, like the, remember the game boy with the, the the giant uh magnifying light yeah the light boy <laughs> yeah and then you could get like the special add-on that made it look like a 
fucking transformer and it would like flip out speakers and it would give you like a a fighting game stick and like yeah yeah and then there it weighed 40 pounds you, by the time you were done. yeah and, yeah and who knows how long the batteries would last but yeah. yeah it's like remember that you know remember that episode of aqua teen hunger force where shake gets the uh the eye helmet <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. like he keeps adding on more and more accessories to the point where he actually sinks into the dirt <laughs> And has to, like, get a pair of robot legs so he can actually move. Mm. Yeah, it was like that. <laughs> the Game Boy thing, when you finally added all that stuff, I'm pretty sure the thing would scream out, this isn't even my final form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, um, Austin, um, one of the things that I've, that's impressed me the most, you know, I don't know how much you, you study the actual market for these things, but I don't think anybody has copied you yet. And uh, that being said, I, I was wondering about any future iterations you might want to make, especially with the rumors that Nintendo's making uh, two new switches over the summer and things like that. Um, yeah, well, I've kind of been watching, uh, kind of been watching that, um, to see what happens. Um, it'd be cool to have inside knowledge, but I don't, I don't think their uh, Nintendo would give me anything. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I think that a lot of people are having a hard time because I, you know, I think controller mounts in the past um, haven't been really that great ex- of an experience. They kind of yeah. seem like they should be, but I think, you know, they just get the balance wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, they're not that great. So I think, you know, people might have a little bit of a hard time investing in something where they think, hey, the screen's too big. Uh, you know, it, it's not going to be comfortable to hold. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of improvements I want to make to switch fix in its current form. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like, add, you know, adding a space for the charging port. Um, having a 90 degree charging port for the or charging cable for uh, the switch itself and having it come straight back through the, you know, that, that back brace um, adding. And I think I need to make it more portable. So my goal is to make it as portable as um, you know, the switches. Um, so having it fold up well, a case that you can just drop it in a bag um, and easily take it with you. Yeah. Um yeah, and then you know, hopefully, I can knock out maybe maybe make a GameCube one or um, knock out whatever you know Nintendo comes up with next for the next two Switches. I'm actually pretty excited about those. See see what like, those are like. Assuming that the Indiegogo um, goes the way you plan, um, have you ever thought about moving away from the 3D print strategy? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I um, I want to get as far away from that as possible. <laughs> okay. Just, yeah. The, 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 the reason why I ask, I mean, um, obviously, you know, I've, I've, I've tested the product. I'm, I'm thinking about all its weaknesses and all its strengths. Like, I think my biggest concern is due to the fact that it's a 3d print. Some people might get weirded out by the fact that while there are grooves for it to fit into the switch screen, you know, perfectly, like mm-hmm. is powerful enough to like, um, mess the hinges up and stuff in that regard and like my other um uh sort of critique was uh the switch screen is heavier than we think and then when we add the weight of the pro controller there it becomes quite hefty so i'm somebody that plays my switch in bed more than he should and yeah you know i'm not gonna say i've dropped it on my face but you dropped but it he's dropped face. it on his face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have actually thought about that quite a bit. Um, so, so I think that, you know, the, 
this probably isn't something that you're going to hold up. Um, I think a lot of times when you use a controller, you kind of rest it on your lap anyways. You're not, you're not holding it. Um, so a lot of times, you know, I'll have a pillow on my lap and set it on top of the pillow. And then I'm not really even holding rest or resting my arms on the pillow. I'm not even, uh, really supporting the weight of the system. Um, which I think is pretty helpful, but I was thinking about ways when you're laying in bed of maybe having something on the back that can kind of also pivot that helps it stand up. So you're not having to hold it. Um, which, I think, you know, kind of sounds like it could be a little weird and I'll have to experiment with it, but, um, I think it could be something that's pretty nice actually. Um, cause you're right. It is a little heavy to support the, you know, the weight of the screen and the pro controller. Um, but I think there's, there's, there's ways to, um, hold it that are still significantly more comfortable than the switch with joy cons. Cool. But yeah, um, this is a fantastic product, and I uh, can't wait to see what you have next. Um, yeah. We actually plan on, uh, for those of you listening, we actually plan on giving one away. So pay attention. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. That. And it'll have um, SmashPad, uh, branded SmashPad on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah. Awesome stuff, man. So, so I take yeah. it, uh, like this isn't the final form of the, the switch fix. You're, you're still constantly iterating on it. Oh, well, yeah. So, you know, if, if I am able, you know, if the Indiegogo campaign successful, um, I definitely will be making a lot of improvements. Um, I think right now it's a really good experience, but I, I, you know, if I, if I have the resources, I, feel like um i definitely want to take it to the next level um because it does need to be you know rebuilt um in in a cad program uh to be designed for injection molding um right now i you know i designed it to be 3d printed um so you know it'll look it's it's really similar and the the current experience is really close to the final product but i'm just going to put those little details into it to you know really really push it over the top gotcha yeah. So what what does that look like? So you, I've purchased things from Indiegogo before, but I'm curious what what it kind of looks like on the on the back end. So you you do your your campaign, um, mm-hmm. and then you know if it's funded, it's funded, and then do they have a like a group of vendors that they recommend you go through, or, or are you getting all of that information ahead of time? Like how does that how does that work? What does the pipeline for something like that look like? Um, well, I imagine so- it's pretty complex, even with a partner like Indiegogo. Yeah. So, well, they recommend that you collect, they, they say, I mean, to start with, they say that you need, um, you, you, they're the best way to get people to support your campaign is by collecting emails and the, out of the emails you collect and there's, there's a place for people to enter their email on my pre-launch page on Indiegogo, but they say only 5% of those at most, um, will they, they kind of say like 5% is a high number um, will support your campaign when it launches. Um, and they say you have to have a big first three days or if you don't, people, uh, you know, won't contribute if you're like 20 days in and you're only, you've only raised, you know, a a 10th of your goal. Um, and then if you do have a big first three days, Indiegogo's algorithms will pick it up and they'll start sending emails about it and put it on the front page. Um, so apparently big, so that's why you need to collect, 
um, so many emails uh, to get people to support on those first few days. Um, I, I feel like you, that that seems like the most daunting part to me. But you know, I've, I've I've started to build that list, and you know, I promise, you know, if you're thinking about joining, I won't spam you. Um, but um, uh, so then, you know, once once your your campaign's successful, um, you have. The, in 15 days, they send you the money, and then it's really up to you to figure out how to get it made. Um, my plan was to work with a design firm in Phoenix. You know, I, I do have the educational background to, uh, you, you know, learn, build, build out the model and everything. But, um, you know, partnering with, uh, you know, a design firm that um, has done this, you know, it's their bread and butter, I think would, you know, be very helpful and then, you know, they've worked with a lot of manufacturers before, um, but I do have some manufacturing contacts too. Um, so that, you know, that's kind of where I was going to go with it. Uh, so if very, very exciting uh, product. Uh, it's like, I remember when I showed the uh, the video to Lee, it's like, I, I could tell exactly how far he was along in the video because it was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Oh, this is, like, oh, <laughs> it's, it's like it, it, the light bulb went off yeah. for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah, when I was when I was looking at it, I was like, "Oh, this is it." Because I've seen so many. Like, I, I I think I'm probably the most cynical person on this this podcast, but I tend to look at some of that stuff, and I'll and I'll see something that somebody's designing. It's like, "Oh, well, this is the eighth version of this that I've seen this week or something." And then, like with yours, we looked at it, and I was like, "Okay, okay, oh, well that all right. Well, that's different." And then, and then, like seeing how you could like just hold the screen up and then have you know two people playing around, it was like, "Okay, that takes care of that shitty kickstand." Like oh oh this is awesome and then like I even I even made my wife watch it and because she, she was like what are you so excited about I was like, you gotta watch oh, cool. this video and then and then she watched it she's like that's cool um how does he have his TV mounted on the wall and I was like thanks hon <laughs> so <laughs> um, yeah I, I don't I don't think she was excited about uh, but she doesn't play the switch so but yeah no it, it, it's one of those things that I do think is really and Dana spoke about this too is is just really really unique and I hate the joy cons I can't stand them um and like I said I can't play and I I some of the guys here I don't think ever play their switch when it's uh not docked I very rarely play my switch docked so seeing something like this is is really addresses a concern I didn't really or a need I really didn't know I had um, so I, I'm very much looking forward to it. I think it's very cool. Oh, well, th- thanks very much. Yeah. And th- thanks for having me on and, uh, being able to talk about it. Yeah, sure. And you want to stick around for the rest of the show? We got some new stories to talk about if you got a... Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Right. I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to steal anything, but I've been waiting for the PSN thing for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's as good a segue <laughs> as any to get into the fact that the, uh, PlayStation Network ID, the long rumored and oft wanted feature uh, is now live uh although it does come with uh enough caveats that it, it, they stopped it just short of saying that it may cause a space-time continuum leak uh, yeah but uh <laughs> yeah you can now go and change your psn id the first one's free that's how they get you at least they're being upfront about the potential issues i mean it's definitely not something I'd want to find out about by surprise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Press PS button on your controller, and then suddenly time and matter pulls in on itself. 
Yeah, exactly. God damn it, I hate when that happens. <laughs> yeah. well, it just, definitely seems like a good idea to kind of wait a bit, see what the specific issues might be in those games. Mm-hmm. Like, like, how so much is I'm, this going to break? Uh, they got a site with a list of games, not really specifically listing what the, the issue is. Hmm. But a lot of them are just like, you might lose like uh, microtransaction stuff or the save if it tracks it onto their own servers, on the dev servers. Oh, yeah. Like, you might have issues with that sort of stuff. Well, you know, they got to have the guys in the back with the abacuses and everything moving things around. And those guys can't work 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and they basically yeah, the say... Thing, uh, when, when they first engineered PSN and the whole username system... Um, they fucked up with the back end and, you know, didn't ex- exactly make that editable, editable the first time. It's, it's not like Microsoft's where it's, it's all just front facing. This is actually built into yeah. the code to fuck shit up. So yeah, it, it, you can, part. you very much see the difference between Microsoft and, and Sony and that Sony is still definitely a hardware company first and a software company second, whereas Microsoft's the other way around. Oh, and you yeah. can see it from the way that they build out everything like it's funny even just looking at psn like you could tell they really didn't think this thing was going to take off whereas microsoft you know from the the, from jump street basically came in with the xbox and they were like online motherfuckers and hard drives and sony was like we don't need any of that oh shit yeah we do (laughs) okay yeah yeah so uh who's changing their names i'm happy with mine i'm not Uh, i'm going with mine Hmm. Yeah, I'm fine. There's only one name I would change it to, and it's not available because it's a pretty uh, simple name. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the other thing is that um, you can go ahead and change your name back to whatever it was before after you did change it at, at no charge at all. So that means if you're somebody who was waiting for a name that's never, ever been used but was actually taken, you can't get that name. Hmm. So yeah, at least not yet. Hmm. So it reserves your name, the name that you have now? Yes, yeah. You can also have it displayed next to your name. For, uh, a, few, for a few weeks, I think. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they basically say any game released or uh, published on or after April 1st uh, has this stuff uh, built in, like protection for that stuff built in. And I assume game older games will be able to upgrade their SDK stuff mm-hmm. to get that stuff work out. Yeah, well, the huh. ones that will go through the effort to do it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so if uh, Pat decided he hated his name and he changed it and I wore that a jacket, I wouldn't be able to do that. So. <laughs> yeah, which is good. I mean, at least they're that is kinda cool, that yeah. far ahead. Mm. So. Well, yeah, because, you know, that's not only what they do, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Got to give credit where it's due, right? Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, Oh, yeah, I don't know if there's really that much more to say about that particular <laughs> particular one. Unless uh, you got you got anything you want to chime in on, Austin? Um, well, I actually didn't know that there was problems, so now I'm scared to change my name. I was <laughs> I was kind of excited. Don't, don't do it. It's a now, I don't, now I don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah. I think like the main way to go about it is if you don't really play much of the old games or anything on your PS3, and you really really want to change your name, by all means, go ahead. But if you do go if you do go back once in a while and make use of those online features and you don't want to mess those things up, probably oh, just yeah. have. I always think that you know I'm gonna go back to my PS3 or like when a new system comes out and then I never do <laughs> and it's just in a box somewhere. So <laughs> I'm probably safe on that on that front, yeah. but yeah. still still makes me a little nervous. We'll see. Yeah. I'll I'll see how things go. Yeah. yeah, I think the PS3 and Vita are just gonna be fine. Just it'll have your old username. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
So that's kind of weird, but I guess it works. <laughs> it's... Well, the bottom line is Sony did it. So Finally, yeah. yes, after much uh, haranguing, they finally got around to doing it. Uh, yeah. Well, any other PSN features that we uh, want to get them to do that they haven't done yet? Hey, give us more than two Gifting. games a month. <laughs> and make sure that those two games don't suck. Uh, not a fan of uh, Conan Exiles? <laughs> Uh, I mean, Conan Exiles I liked, but, you know. But you already played it, so it's like. Yeah, I already played it, so. All right. Uh, so moving on, during Star Wars uh, Fan Fest, or whatever they ended up calling it, uh, they finally showed off Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, and they were very quick to uh, point out that it's going to be a single-player, story-driven game with no multiplayer or microtransactions. And the crowd went wild. <laughs> <laughs> well, that feels like, like in and of itself, like a huge rebuttal to EA, even though they're under EA. Like, well, p- the thing you have to remember is that Respawn basically saved EA's ass. Yeah. Um, because uh, going up until Apex Legends, they were kind of in the red. <laughs> yeah. Um, and basically they released uh, this Battle Royale game that, you know, came out at a time when, you know, freaking Fortnite was, you know, just standing on top of the mountain showing its junk off to everyone and saying, screw you, there ain't nothing you can do about it. And then suddenly Apex Legends comes out, you know, wasn't announced. EA really said nothing about it. And just through sheer word of mouth, it's come to a basically equal Fortnite success. And given this entire company's, you know, uh, back into the black. So I guess EA just realizes, like, okay, uh, these guys just saved our asses. We're going to give them all the money, and we're not going to poke our ass into it. So, Well, yeah, and I think I got to give them credit, too, because um, I, I, all of the stuff that these guys have worked on previously, I've thoroughly enjoyed. Um, and I feel like they, like, from, from the original Modern Warfare to the Titanfall games, you know, these guys, they make games that aren't just full of BS. They're, there's no filler in the games that they make. They're typically like a wild ride from the beginning to the end. So knowing that they're also going to be working on Star Wars after the slot machine that we had with Battlefront 2 is really just like, okay. And I think hopefully it'll be successful because I think, one of the things that we lost with losing LucasArts is LucasArts had, had a relatively rich history of not just in Star Wars, but in everything else of doing really fantastic story-driven games. Yeah. Um, and, and in particular in the Star Wars universe, just the Jedi Knight games were so much fun. And we really haven't had anything like that in a really long time. So I have really high hopes for this. Um, and, and, you know, knowing that it's Respawn, I think we're going to see some insane stuff and the game itself will probably be 10, 12 hours long. It'll be the perfect length. There'll be no filler. I, it's one of those things I generally don't buy into hype because I seem to play everything too, like two years late. Uh, but you know, knowing that Respawn is doing this, I, this, I think this will be something that I get like day of. Also something I just realized this might also just be a case of, you know, of the mouse, you know, poking their head in and saying, yo, lay, you know. <laughs> yeah. Don't screw this up. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I noticed at the top of the up at that article, there's uh, there's an update that says EA will not add microtransactions or loot boxes post launch. 
I think I'll tell you what. I think a big reason that that's happening is because remember with the, with what they pulled with Battlefront Two, um, you had Congress members going. We're pretty sure this is gambling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Disney, like we were just talking about, you know, at the beginning of the show about going to Disney World or Disneyland, like whenever you do anything at Disney, like they care so much about the experience and, and they don't want anything about what they're doing to be portrayed as negative. Um, they're not going to put their name on something like that. That's going to have like gambling and things like that. Um, and so the fact that Congress people were like, yo, we think this is like really exploitative of children and this is gambling and all that other stuff. You know, somebody like Bob Eager or somebody over at Disney was like, hold up dog. Y'all are doing what? <laughs> and that you can totally see like, that's why they did this. No, I mean, they, they right said, the you know, the, no, they said he was like, you guys aren't doing this shit with our property. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it was part of the story. Uh, Disney CEO, CEO literally called up EA CEO and said, uh, Yo, what the hell are y'all doing? <laughs> yeah. So uh, this gives me hope. But uh, do we have? Is there room in the market for a single-player uh, narrative-driven game, or does it all have to be battle royale nowadays? Oh, well, God of War set proved them wrong. So. Yeah. I, ironically, uh, I think the best the best experiences that I've had over the last few years have actually been single-player. Games. I think I think the people that, that tend to hype up that stuff, like there's no room in the market for these kinds of games, are are stock analysts <laughs> because there there is such a large amount of people that play video games that there's always something for someone. There's going to be people that only play games on their phones. There's going to be people that only play games on their consoles. There's going to be people that have no interest in multiplayer and things like that. And and I think you can address all segments of those markets. And I think when you bring out something. Um, that's good. Regardless, you're you're going to get traction with the people that are that are into those things. And let's not forget, these same analysts were the ones back in 2012, when or 2010 and, and 2011, when the iPhone was hitting critical mass with everybody. They were like, "Oh my God, there's not going to be a PlayStation 4 or or, a, or an Xbox 720 or anything. Console gaming is going to die." And look, here we are in 2019, and and what are we looking at? PlayStation Five and whatever Xbox next becomes uh, right, exactly. Well, so the the people that are typically the ones that are making those kinds of determinations are either fanboy idiots on forums or people that like Michael Pactor and people like that who their job is to say, well, you should be looking at these stocks, and we think because of this that you know X, Y, and Z will happen. And those are those are people that are driven not by understanding what actually makes the video game market work, but what makes money. And those two definitely don't always go hand in hand. Yeah. yeah the bottom line yeah. here is I think it's going to be, you know, uh, critical success versus financial success. And, you know, it depends on what EA thinks is, is a success there. I mean, like we look at Sega all the time or is it Square Enix? Like, yeah, Tomb Raider will sell boatloads, but it didn't make what we wanted it to make. I'm like, wait, what? So, you know, it all depends there. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what the internal projections are because one of the things we, – we talked about this before was Battlefront 2, um, the internal projections for it before microtransactions even came into the picture was they – they proje- and EA doesn't typically screw up their projections by the way. They're actually really, really good at this. If you guys ever listen to any of their quarterly qu- quarterly calls, they're usually pretty dead on about what their targets are and, and actually being able to hit them. And EA for Battlefront 2 – 
said that they predicted they were going to sell 13 million copies in the first year. And I think they hit 14 and that was before any microtransactions. Mm-hmm. So even if, I mean, God, even if you got a third of that, there's no way this game is going to fail. I mean, this is also star Wars, you yeah. know, and we're, we're at, at the end of this year, we're going to get episode nine and we know there's going to be star Wars shows on Disney plus and all of that stuff. So there's going to be a full court press here regardless. And as, as long as it is a solid game, it's going to sell. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and the, the nice thing is that this is coming from the studio that made the best multiplayer or the best shooter campaign of this generation. Yeah. Oh, the Titanfall 2. Yeah. I, would, I would agree that they, not only that, I would say they did the same thing for the previous generation. Modern Warfare, the first one, literally it was the best single player, first person shooter, like military, anything that I had played up until Titanfall 2 because it was. All, it just there was no failure to it whatsoever. It was balls to the walls the entire time, yeah. Um, and so yeah, I have no doubt they're going to be able to deliver on that front. Yeah, yeah especially guys, when they got Stig uh, Asmussen in charge of this project. Go ahead, Who did God War Three? Feel more comfortable that uh, Respawn's making it over Bioware. Yes, in the state that yeah, Bioware is if, in right now, yes. Considering what yeah, Bioware is right now, and I say that as someone who really enjoyed Anthem mm. uh, for all its issues, I wouldn't mind uh, if Bioware wrote the story. Yeah, that's a good point. But well, not I, the I actual think Bioware game, made no. some of the best games, Star Wars games or the Kotar games. I would agree. I still play uh, the Old Republic, but Bioware is Bioware has some serious management issues that it's very obvious that Respawn does not have as far as direction and, and, and overall vision for management. Um, that because that's the biggest thing you read anything. We talked about this on the last podcast. You know, you read anything that's going on with Bioware. The the number one thing that that the problem that they have is that their management is indecisive. Um, but the guys running Respawn are the same ones that told – that basically dragged Activision around and said, you're not going to fuck us. And after they pulled with the, what Activision pulled trying to make sure those guys didn't get bonuses and, and after they were the reason Activision was making so much money. And so they, they came away from that, um, you know, rolling that into a sweetheart deal with EA. And, and I know the Titanfall games didn't sell as well as a lot of people would have wanted – but that hasn't seemed to really hurt Respawn's uh, cachet, especially when you look at this announcement. Um, and I think that that definitely comes from the leadership that they have there. They, they're going to be laser focused on what they're trying to do. That's the biggest problem with Bioware right now. Because I agree with you. Bioware has made some fantastic Star Wars games, but I think that was old Bioware. I think the current Bioware is not, not capable. Yeah, I agree. Also, I'd definitely take Respawn. Now, if I had to pick who was going to make it, because Respawn seems like they just they just do quality stuff. Yeah. Apex yeah. Legends also helped. Yeah. Let's be honest here. Yeah, I'm also yeah, and, I'm also ahead. inclined to believe that um, Respawn is a, is a is a development house that EA probably doesn't even have much pull with anymore. I mean, yeah, you, you, we did mention that Apex totally killed it, but I mean, if you look at the uh, system that um, this new game is designed on, it's 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 designed on the on the Unreal Engine. They, they aren't even using it for Frostbite, and EA pretty much mandated all their studios to use it. So the fact that yeah, uh, Spawn isn't using it. It definitely gives some some confidence there. Yeah, the, th- the thing about that is, uh, well, a lot of people aren't aware of uh, is that Respawn is not owned by EA. They're partnered. Uh, yeah, they're owned. Really? They got bought last year. Yeah, yep, that's true. Because there was a it's either a Chinese company or like a Korean company was trying to acquire them, and EA had the right of first refu- uh, refusal hmm. on that. So they said, "Well, okay, we got to buy them now." 
Hmm. Well, given that they're not mandating technology, maybe that means uh, well, there could have been a it could have been a very interesting contract. Like, yeah, you guys can buy us, but you're not going to tell us what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can own us, you can bankroll us, but that's about it. Maybe that's maybe yeah. that was the deal. Uh, it might also just be like EA letting them use the tech they're comfortable with because they needed this project turned around pretty quickly. Hmm. Oh yes. Well, I wonder too if, if it's also like again, let's let's be realistic here too. Like Disney is not an eight hundred pound gorilla; they're a four ton gorilla, and yep. they they're they are definitely somebody that could come in because like let's 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 be real here. Like EA. It doesn't matter what they're paying for the Star Wars license. The Star Wars, in, in pretty much every shape and form, is, is a, a license to print money. Yeah. So, and then especially having Star Wars under Disney, where Disney cares so much about the way that their IPs work, um, you know, especially after Battlefront, whatever else they were going to be doing, um, had a whole bunch of things attached as riders to those contracts. Um, and so, like, because you imagine how Disney's stock would react if one of these games tanked yeah. like truly tanked. Like, so I could totally see something in there like, okay, you're going to let, you know, maybe not like to the letter, but if you're going to let a development house, you know, do something like this, we're going to be able to give them notes and things like that. And I could totally see respawn being like, we don't want to use frostbite. Frostbite sucks. Look at the last two games that Bioware's put out that have tanked because this was forced on them. We're going to stick with Unreal. And Disney's like the guy sitting next to him and staring over at the EA people and going, they're going to stick with Unreal. And EA's like, yeah, yeah, yeah that, okay, yeah, that's exactly what they're going to do. <laughs> you know, I could totally see a situation like that because Disney could drown EA. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know. And, and they're playing with their with their characters and their properties. So, and remember, Disney basically rebooted everything hmm. and said we're starting from scratch because we have this now. So they have an absolute interest for the next fifteen to twenty years for every avenue of development that they can for these these characters that they have and the characters that they're going to create to to put them in the best light. Hmm. Yeah. So before we move on, just a. Uh... Just a quick note that's somewhat related to this. Uh, I just saw a story that uh, Respawn's co-founder, uh, Jason West, has moved over to Epic Games. Um, so that's interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, hmm. I, it doesn't seem like there was any uh, bad blood there. It just seems like, uh, okay, well, the Respawn's doing their thing, so I'll just go over here and do this other thing. Um, so, yeah. yeah, that's... Uh, and it just shows the the talent acquisition that uh, Epic is currently uh, undergoing. Um, that should be something to watch over the next few months. Well, it's always really easy when you got Scrooge McDuck money. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, tying it right back to Disney, baby. <laughs> Fortnites, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So if a uh, single player uh, role playing game fully narrative isn't your thing, uh, you can also get. A uh, pinball compilation for Star Wars on the Switch, like yep. really soon. Yeah, uh, Star Wars pinball is going to be coming to the Switch. Uh, when is it? It's uh, September. Mm. Um, yeah, it's going to be all the tables, nineteen of them that have been released so far. And the weird thing is, they're not going to be in Pinball FX three as well. It's going to be completely separate in its own launcher, essentially. That's strange. 
But I guess when yeah. you have 19 of them, uh, it, it kind of starts to get cluttered around in that yeah. uh, pinball FX launcher. So I guess yeah, I wonder see. if just the weird way, uh, like Nintendo doesn't really have cross-buy support for the Switch. Yeah, they wouldn't have been uh, able to do it. Because that was how it worked on PS3 and Vita. Is essentially you bought it on one of them, you had it on both versions. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Zen Pinball 2 and Pinball FX3. Uh, and all that, uh, as well as the the standalone Star Wars pinball thing. Um, but yeah, that's uh, going to be. I think they're going to be releasing it physical too, a physical collection. Um, but yeah, that's going to have all that, and it has all the. Let's see, it's also going to have the like light side, dark side kind of stuff that's in the the game itself. Mm. Uh, yeah, like dark side is, points if you tilt the table. Uh, it's, I think you just play the, the dark side tables cause there's uh, a good bit of them. Mm. Yeah. Darth Vader, Boba Fett. So I played some uh, of these tables already. Uh, I didn't even know there were that many of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, holy crap. Yeah. There's one for, let's see, four, five, six, seven, and eight rogue one solo. Uh, there's clone wars, there's rebels tables. Uh, there's one for Han Solo, one for Darth Vader, uh, Lando Calrissian, Boba Fett, uh, the droids. Hmm. Uh, let's see, one for Octo Island. Battle Mimbam, Mimban. This is Jedi versus Sith. There's a Starfighter Assault Table and Might of the Force First Order. Yeah, that's that's a lot of tables. Yeah, so you'd be well served. Uh, one pa- one package for the Switch. I could see this doing quite well. Yeah. This could yeah. take some time away from the game of the year that is Tetris 99. <laughs> it could. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> right. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, not much else to say there. Uh, quick note for PC enthusiasts. Uh, one of the best games on the Switch of 2018 was Octopath Traveler. Uh, it, uh, it, was, it controversially almost didn't... Well, it almost won our game of the year. Uh, it didn't quite make it, but it got into number four, so that's pretty cool. Uh, well, it's now going to be coming to the PC via Steam uh, on June 7th. So, uh, yeah. Yes. You'll be able to get it on your PC, play it on a bigger screen. Or... Prepare yourselves. Because <laughs> <laughs> be that game days. will rob you of your free time. Yeah. 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 And I, you uh, will thank it. A few months ago, I, I got to the real final boss, and um, yeah, all of my little hacky shit didn't work, so I gotta nope. readjust that. <laughs> yeah, have you played Octopath, uh, Austin? Um, no, I, I've I've wanted to, but yeah, just haven't had the time. Yeah, well, uh, I, I would recommend like uh, finishing the Switch fix first because yeah. if you start on it, you like all productivity will cease. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it just sucks all the time out of it. Actually, there's yes. a million games I haven't finished because of Switch Fix. It's kind of <laughs> kind of frustrating. Ah, <laughs> uh, I got a I got a product to, to finish. Feels, God damn it! Feels like <laughs> yeah. a life problem. Yeah, haven't yeah haven't I, I didn't even finish God of War or um, uh, what, what Red Dead Redemption. Mm. I, I don't know why I started Red Dead Redemption if I haven't finished God of War. But <laughs> God, God of War is the best game this generation. Yep. Barnum. Yeah, I loved what totally I played so far. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool stuff there. Uh, it's got to be a Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. So the last story before we do our, uh, well, what we've been up to this week. Usually we do that at the beginning of the show, but eh, it was a little different this week. So, uh, so Activision wants uh, their employees' personal health records for some reason. Yeah, this is one of the wait, creepiest what? things I've seen. So yeah, yeah you know how for insurance uh, for everything. Uh, so they uh, have Ovia Health, which is a suite of wellness apps that, uh, particularly for um, expectant mothers and all that, uh, allowing them to input their personal information to keep track of their uh, efforts to conceive and maintain a healthy pregnancy, documenting child's health once they're born, and all sorts of that stuff. Uh, they will provide oh, shit. Uh, oh yeah, pay for access to anonymized aggregate data that tells them much of what their employees put into their Ovia apps. Uh, for their trying to conceive months to early motherhood. And uh, Activision essentially uh, financially incentivizes people to give them their personal data. Yeah, and um, remember, uh, since you know this is Activision and this is the U.S., you don't get paid maternal leave. So Yeah, and so there's uh, really creepy quotes in here. Uh, this is from, let's see, Milt Ezzard. Uh, Activision Blizzard's Vice President of Global Benefits uh, said, each time we introduced something, there was a bit of an outcry. You're prying into our lives. Uh, eventually, people understood it's all voluntary, there's no gun to your head, and we're going to reward you if you choose to do it. Uh, the company reportedly offers employees a $1 gift card for each day the app is used, but didn't otherwise disclose how the anonymized data is used. Well, I can tell you how it's used because I work for a software company that works with health insurance companies, um, especially with all the stuff that's coming down the line with the possibility of Obamacare being shaken up and everything. A lot of these healthcare companies are hedging their bets by being able to collect personal data now so that if things like pre-existing conditions uh, become come back as a thing that you can use to deny people health insurance coverage, they're going to use this kind of data to do it. Yeah. Uh, it's and it's also I think tied to them wanting to get more women into their workforce, mm-hmm. uh, especially those that are looking to have families. Kind of offer some weird form of like I don't know assurance that they'll be sticking with them. I guess. Well, they failed. God, <laughs> this uh, you know. Do you want to get Gattaca? Because this is this how is you Gattaca. Gattaca. <laughs> no, this is Gattaca. Yeah. Yeah, anyways. Uh, so I, I guess I shouldn't entirely be too surprised that Activision is uh, not only a really shitty company, but also a very creepy company as well. Uh, yeah. And the, that that name, Milt, uh, what was it? Milt Ezzard? Yeah. yeah. Milt Ezzard of Activ- Activision Blizzard. Like that, that sounds like a character from Revenge of the Nerds that drilled a hole in the girl's locker room so you could fucking spy on them. <laughs> Yeah, just a bit. Yeah. All right, so we'll wrap up here with uh, what we've been up to. Uh, I think uh, I'd like to get Austin to start off. Like, yeah, what have you been up to this week, man? Um, well, I've been up to uh, you know working on people to uh, marketing switch fix. <laughs> um, I've actually also been playing uh, a lot of Tetris ninety nine um, in my off time. I feel I feel like that that game's awesome because you can just play a. Um, you know, a game or two. It it doesn't it doesn't take up, you know, your whole night like a lot of these other games would. Like Octopath mm-hmm. Traveler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You would think that. But uh 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. It, it, then it does take <laughs> up my whole night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Well, the thing with Fractal Pass, to be honest, rocked. is that it, it takes up as much or as little time as you want it to. Yeah. It can be, definitely be played in bite size. Yeah. Uh, that is that is pretty nice. Yeah. But it's so good that you don't want to play exactly. it in bite size. <laughs> yeah. I can't jump on that Tetris 99 because I don't have an enemy to start getting whooped on by soccer moms. <laughs> yeah, your wife might steal your Switch. Mm. It'll be terrible. I've been training for this my whole life, motherfucker. <laughs> nope. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, I think the current meta is get on when the Japanese are sleeping. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, which means you have to uh, basically get on at like three in the morning. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, this weekend you got like, if I guess the top thousand players or something got $10 to the um nintendo store so i feel like this was a difficult weekend catches 99 that ten dollars though gotta get on yeah well ten dollars yeah. for a top 1000 you know that's uh quite a bit of money nintendo forked over yep yeah so there's that as for me well uh i've been doing a lot of emulation stuff um you know, getting the Retro Pie all sorted out the way I like it. Uh, I've been experimenting with a, a Genesis emulator on PC. I touched on this a little bit before, but I haven't d- hadn't dug into it. Uh, it's called Blastem. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is quite possibly the nicest emulator I have ever used for for Sega Genesis, especially uh, where it comes to audio. Um, there is not a single really? Genesis emulator on the that I have used that sounds as good as this does. Um, Sold. Yeah. And uh, if, you, if you're if you like uh, completely crazy like me, well, then you can have it output in 24-bit 192 kilohertz. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but I did it anyway. Just why the hell not? Because I can. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't know if that makes it sound any better, but it's it, it's great. Uh, it's it's got that warm sound of a Model One Genesis that's so hard for most emulators to get, and this one nails it. Uh, so yeah. Also, uh, Thunder Force Four is fucking hard. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's been it for me. What about you, Pat? Uh, Stormblood as usual. I'm still getting. Um, I'm still getting some ideas about what I'm going to be doing for my. Uh, streaming and YouTube content for that game, but I'm I definitely intend to make something out of it. Uh, other than that, I'm just uh, driving my new character toward endgame stuff and uh, hopefully get some rating in before Shadowbringers launches. Uh, and on top of that, um, as you know, I built my new computer over the last couple weeks. And it's finished. I'm actually podcasting from it as, as I speak. And Skype did a good thing for once. I was shocked. Stop because, that. Don't lie. No, they didn't. Oh, I, I didn't have to install anything. I didn't have to log in. It just, I was going through all my usual, um, you know, new computer stuff of gathering up gathering up my apps and everything and Skype was like, here I am <laughs> remembered your settings and everything. You don't have to do a thing. Cool. Yeah. That, that is nice. So, to have I'll take it to a Microsoft account. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So, so there've been some, 
there have been some things about getting this computer set up and established that have been a real pain in the ass. That was not one of them. <laughs> yeah. And this is your first computer with an SSD, isn't it? Yes. Uh, <laughs> you can't go back now. I know. It, it It's just done. Yep. So uh, what about you, Brennan? Uh, I actually finished Economy HD last night. Nice. <laughs> yeah. You've been working on that since like 2012, right? Yeah, more or less. Um, here's the thing. That game, of course, originally came out. It was like a late PS2 game. Um, yeah. And I, for some reason, remembered that game being longer than it actually was. Um, but, you know, I actually played it to completion this time. <laughs> and um, it's actually not as long as I remember it being. Um, and I so think like instead of like 200 hours, it's 180. Yeah, uh, I think <laughs> part of it might just be because, let's be honest, Okami is kind of sort of heavily inspired by Zelda, Okami especially Zelda. <laughs> yeah, the three dimensional yeah. versions of Zelda. Yeah. Uh, what system? Oh, my PS4. Yeah, I got it on PSN. Um, but you know, I mean, it just it's impossible to play that game without having a smile on your face. <laughs> it's just, it's just a fun, fun game. And I got to get back to that. Cause when I first bought my original Wii, I actually rented Okami and enjoyed the shit out of it, but it was a rental. So I never finished it. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I actually had the Japanese import of it on switch. Hmm. Yeah. The Which game, is a neat little trick you plug it in. It goes, Oh, you're American. I got you. Mm hmm. <laughs> Um, but the game is a lot of fun. I mean, it's, you get to use a brush to affect the world. Like, I'm surprised that game sold as little as it did when it originally came out, to be completely honest. Yeah. Well, it's very Japanese, you know, it's, it's not exactly the kind of game that most Westerners would have looked at. Well, it's not just Japanese, it's weird Japanese, Hmm. because... At, at the same time, it's it's also the game that won't that won't stop coming out. So, mm-hmm. but uh, I thought that was Resident so, Evil. Yeah, oh, those are all Capcom games. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, but uh, of course, I finished that, so now I'll be able to focus my time on Tales of Vesperia Definitive Edition. Um, which you know, uh, this isn't the first time I've played Tales of Vesperia, but I never finished it. Um, and when it comes to the Tales games, I usually don't recommend that newcomers start with Vesperia simply because Vesperia takes a little while to get going. You know, um, unlike Tales of Symphonia, which I usually do recommend as a starting point, uh, it Tales of Vesperia takes it takes time to sort of establish its essential premise, um, whereas Symphonia makes it pretty clear what the stakes are. From the beginning, you know, at least until the midway point comes and it just rips the rug right under you and you fall head first into the floor. Because that's usually how Tales games works. They build up as many cliches as they possibly can, only to take out a knife and then tear into it. Um, and basically deconstructing the whole premise so much that at some point you start thinking, am I the bad guy? <laughs> and sometimes I have that one sometimes on. I have that one on Switch. I, I have so much trouble with the combat because he always ends up. And I guess it's because I'm playing it on the Switch and the tiny ass fucking Joy Cons. But 
characters end up jumping and when they're not supposed yeah, to. Yeah, it's because – well, It feels very imprecise. Well, it's partly because of the way the movement is structured. Um, you can have it like full manual or semi-manual or like completely auto. Mm. So like if you put it completely auto, they'll immediately get as close to the enemy you've got highlighted as you can without much input. Problem with that, though, of course, is that it makes it harder to dodge stuff. Mm. So, you know, sometimes it's appropriate, sometimes it's not. Yeah. So what, uh, should, should you play it on full or just like uh, um, like the midway point? I do it on manual. Yeah. Unless, of course, you know, you're trying to, like, you know, grind for some experience and then just put it on auto so you don't have to, you know, do as much. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's what I've been playing. So, Danrep? Oh, oh, yeah, and I've also still got Sekiro as well, okay. which, Lee, you've been playing that, haven't you? Yeah, I still, my my opinion hasn't changed. I feel like the only real reason people love that game is they're masochists. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Like, I played more of it after after our podcast uh, last week, and I, I, it just feels like it the game would have been much better served if it either try to find a unique way, a unique way to go with things or go full stealth or full combat but as it as it is it just straddles the line and there's just there's never any real sense of accomplishment because it's not you just go from enemy to enemy to enemy to enemy and and it just feels like the best way i can describe it is like you're fighting 1 million trash packs on the way to a raid boss and that's the game in a nutshell is a shit ton of trash packs Raid boss, shit ton of trash packs, raid boss. And the game is just very structured in the way that it wants you to play. It doesn't have the flexibility that Dark Souls has. Uh, and for people that want to scream, get good. Yeah, I was thinking to say, get good, scrub. Yeah. <laughs> I say that, though, but I usually get my ass kicked in from software games. I actually think this is the most accessible game they've made so far. I, I would agree with there. Are there still just a bunch of really strange things in the game that if somebody had even talked about it for two seconds, I think they would have, would have made adjustments like the Makiri counter, which is really the first thing that you should unlock the symbol for the Makiri counter and for uh, unblockables are the same thing. And so if you're fighting an enemy and they're not actually going to do something that you can counter, which, by the way, it's called a counter, but to activate it, you use the dodge button, which that makes whatever. Um, but you have to know who you're coming up against to know if the actual Makiri counter will work. And then when you do it, you have to neutral dodge. You can't hold back or forward or left or right. So you end up basically rock, paper, scissoring a large chunk of the combat with things like that. Um and even though the combat is accessible because it wants you to fight these these guys, um, actually getting into like the nitty gritty of it, I think a lot of people think it's really deep, and it's unfortunately it's just not. The majority of the game is very much you playing rock paper scissors with the enemies that you're fighting. You can overpower the scrubs, but for any of the bosses like that Makiri counter thing, you'll encounter that throughout the whole game where you're like, so do I actually dodge this or can I counter it? I don't know what the guy is. Gonna- oh, I'm dead. Mm. And it just creates a really strange cycle where you're not really learning anything, which that's the one thing you hear all these from software people talking about. Oh, you got you good scrub. You just got to learn the game. You got to let them they're, they're trying to teach you. They're going to teach like, look, you just fought this guy's teaching you what you need. No, it doesn't at all. Like you're, you're playing rock, paper, scissors. That's all you're doing. And 
the other games don't work that way. They may be more obtuse in the way that you fight the enemies, but I feel like in other From games you actually do learn from dying, and I feel like Sekiro is not that. Sekiro kind of lays bare um, the rock, paper, scissors nature of its its own uh, combat engine really, really early. And I think, I, I think just From being who they are, I think has sort of padded the scores in the same way that Nintendo gets scores padded for them sometimes, um, like with Breath of the Wild. Uh, Tanner, what about you? Yeah, um, Devolver got me a code for um, Katana Zero. It's going to come out at the end of this week. And man, this game is fantastic. Um, I haven't gotten as much time as I would like into it, but I've gotten through, um, I think, at least half the stages by now. And uh, for those of you that haven't heard of it, um, it's a 2D side-scroller action kind of game. But the style is absolutely insane. Um, If... If Baby Driver and I don't know um, Dead Cells like had a baby, like this would be it. The uh, audio is fantastic. The game looks great, and you know it's 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 a lot of like two D um, sprite based stuff. But um, I, I've I've never seen a cooler way for these types of characters to smoke a bong and things like that. It's, it's totally crazy. Um, every uh, short part of the level. Um, uh, is or maybe I, I should I should say it a different way. So basically, you use a um a samurai dude who's drugged and he has the power to slow down time. And um when he's fighting, he has to like uh, put on these headphones so that you have all this psychedelic music in the way, so you can just drown out everything. And to go along with the story, it's actually pretty story based. Um, you have these parts of dialogue where it kind of goes telltale on you, where you like you would think that your um, the things you say affect uh, the, the story that you're going through. But you also have sort of a time limit where um, you can just uh, pick these captains in red and he'll just say crazy shit and just go on and kill people. It's, it's, <laughs> it's really unique. Um, and okay, then. Uh, this sounds right up my alley. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking insane. So I, I don't know how much it'll cost when it's released, but this is definitely something you want to look at. It'll be both on Switch and Steam at the uh, end of the week. Yeah, so, it comes out on the 18th. Yeah. Um, this is, this is definitely is cool shit, uh, in, in, in contention for you know our top 10 and probably going to be talked about as one of the top indie titles this year. So I, I have no, no doubts with that at all. Yeah, I'm pretty much gonna just. Uh, I've got this. I'm gonna set aside some money so I can get this Thursday. Cause, uh, wow, this uh, you pretty much nailed all my buttons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I, I I can't even like say what I want to say in notes. So this this review will be interesting to write. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I've also uh, been playing Ace Attorney trilogy. Um, I I bit the bullet and went ahead and paid full price for a game or games that I've already played before. And man, um, we always talk about like games not aging well, but considering the fact that you know this is mostly a point-and-click uh, text-based game, it's turning it's fine. All all of the sounds are there. Uh, the, the game looks fine in HD for what it is, and you know um, I got it on PlayStation because I've I've beaten the game before, so I would assume it's an easy platinum. So uh, yeah. And then um, finally, there's Yoshi's Crafted World, which um, I am enjoying more than I thought I would. Um, you know, we, we we've we've talked about Yoshi games in the past where they're always like incredibly easy. Um, but I really really enjoyed Yoshi's Woolly World when, when it came out on Wii U, 
And if you actually made the effort of 100%ing it, you unlocked an additional world that was insanely hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if uh, the same case happens here with the crafted world, but I would assume it probably rewards you for that because there is a whole lot of content here. Um, and whenever you beat a level, at the end of the level, it uh, shows you the amount of flowers you got for you know finding them, getting all the coins, finding all the secrets. And whenever you miss one, you feel so bad and you do it over and over again. And that's where the game gets, gets kind of grindy. But hey, if you want to find challenge in something, that's where it is. So, yeah, um, I'm enjoying it a lot. I can't really say it's worth 60 bucks, but um, it's definitely a lot in there. All right. Uh, Chris, what cool. about you? Uh, yeah, so I've been playing some more Final Fantasy fourteen over the weekend. Yes. Uh, we did a stream on Saturday uh, and did the first uh, dungeon raid, uh, which went pretty well. Yeah. Uh, especially for me not having one of the abilities Pat assumed I had at that point. Yeah, did you ever get that, by the way? Yeah, I got it uh, like 30 minutes later after okay. we finished. Uh, it wasn't too bad, but uh, yeah, I just have to figure out a good order for my uh, number bars for the actions. Oh, yeah, because uh, I, I keep bar? it. Yeah, because I keep uh, forgetting where my stuff is. Uh, that is easy to do early Because it's like, oh, these. All these icons, some of them look the same, and I keep forgetting which ones, which ones one that busts my attack, and which one is just an attack, uh, and that sort of stuff. Uh, a couple of them are kind of similar, uh, especially because I, I was just letting them be where they were at the default. Uh, yeah, until you don't you want to do have, that. Yeah. Well, then there's a point where you kind of have to add them manually. Uh, yeah. and that's where it starts to uh, fall apart, and I decided to change them before we did that. I forgot where some of the things were, but I think I only died once on each of the runs. Well, uh, uh, if you want, when when we get time, I can sh- I can explain my uh, tanking um, cross hotbar layouts for you. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, um, you might have your own spins on it, but um, I, I can just show you what works for me. Yeah, feel free to forward that to me. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's uh, yeah the the second time I think I died like seconds before the final boss was dead. So as soon as like I had to go through the cutscenes like well Yeah, you, you died as I hit the limit break. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, because I died and then we went through like the the final boss cutscene getting killed and then it's like, oh my guy's just happy about this and then boom, uh needs health. Uh sort of thing. It's like, oh okay. Call it a photo finish, it happens a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the other time is cause I wasn't I was focusing on like the main dude in that one room, not his buddies that everybody else was. So he was focusing all his attention on me. Hmm. Uh, and he just nailed me down pretty quick. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, kind of going in blind, not really uh, able to really look at the map too much and see if there were any side stuff in there. But seems like we did fine getting all the, the chests and all that for the loot. Hmm. Um, and, yeah. and we did kind of poison the well in that final battle by not doing any of the ad mechanics. We just kind of said fuck it and focused the boss yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, because there's a certain point where he just keeps spawning side guys. Yeah, what, uh, well, they talk about the weird bubbles fo- forming, yeah. and you're supposed to go down to the vents and stop it. Okay. That's the mechanic, and if you don't stop it in a certain amount of time, then the ad will pop. Yeah. 
And that's yeah, why so like, I was running around like a psycho trying to get to every vent because no one else was watching the mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, luckily, uh, once you beat the boss, uh, they just kill everybody else. Yeah. Uh, like, you don't have to worry about it. So we just kind of powered through it. Yeah, we didn't have to worry about leftovers. Yeah. 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 That's uh, all streamed. So, yeah. Yeah. Watch that. Too. Yeah. And then I uh, and basically Pat had to go. So I just finish by going and do the job quest stuff hmm. uh and so if i want to do the other job quest do i have to start i'm essentially starting over again or is my character able to just kind of keep going no it's uh, um the, the levels are separated by jobs so if you start a if you start a new job that's available from the beginning of a realm reborn it's going to start you at level one okay and that would be uh, starting like the main quest stuff over again Oh, no, 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 okay. no. God, no. Just the job quest stuff. Okay. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out. Because I think once you get to 15, you can start anything else. Yep. Uh, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, just trying to figure out what so I was going to do. If you want to try melee DPS for a little while, um, you can definitely go ahead and do that. And Yeah. Yeah, uh, I do like some of the abilities my glider has because he has just a fucking big boot. Yeah. That he just does like that's wrestling just, uh, style. Low blow. Uh, yeah. Uh and that's just like, oh, that's a good that's a good animation for that kind of move. Yeah. It's like this big fucking kick and it's like, oh, that guy's not gonna do anything for a few seconds. Um But yeah, uh the issues I have is kind of parsing the map when you're looking for where you need to go for quests, which is why I think I didn't never I never went back for those job quests. Yeah. Because that stuff can kind of disappear, especially if you're not. You can get lost in the shuffle. Um, eventually, you'll get used to it, but yeah, yeah just um, make sure you're checking every five levels. Did I go and do this? Did I get my ability? So on yeah. and so forth. Yeah, it'll become that's... second nature before long. Yeah, as I start to learn like where everything is, because uh, like that whole inner parts of the of Altna is uh, kind of overwhelming at first. Um, yeah, because it's like, oh, there's a million places to go, like four or five different exits out of it. Uh, and yeah, the map doesn't necessarily help when you're trying to figure out, OK, which way do I need to go to get to this quest area? That sort of stuff. But I'm starting to pick that stuff up. Yeah, It's just when it points you to areas that you don't know what they are. Yeah, because I had to go to, I think, Eastern Thanalon, uh, which was... Uh, a place I had not been to before, at least on this character. Yeah. I think I've been to it on my PS4 character. Because uh, once I got there, I was like, oh, yeah, this is where this weird little village is at. Um, and, yeah, that's, that game's just fun. I'm going to keep playing it uh, cool. and working on it. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, also been playing some more Dangerous Driving, which is the game that is basically Burnout 3. But... Uh, current gen. Mm. Uh, yeah, that game is still a lot of fun. I'm working on the third. Doesn't it have uh, no music? Is that what I read? Uh, it has one song uh, that plays on the menus. Uh, but in game, there's nothing really there. Yeah. Uh, Isn't because that they weird? have. Not really. No, but okay. I'm I'm sort of guy that when I play uh, anything that isn't like story focused or music focused, I kind of turn that stuff down because I listen to my own podcasts or put on Netflix or anything like that. 
So like not having any music in this game doesn't really matter to me. Um, but yeah, the because uh, they have Spotify Premium integration into the game. So if you have Spotify Premium, you can link it up to that, and then you can use the D-pad to sort of flip through songs on your playlist. Uh, but if you don't have Premium, you could just use the the console level uh, integration on Xbox One and PS4. Uh, that sort of stuff, but uh, yeah, that game uh, is a lot of fun. I like uh, fucking up cars mm. uh, in that game. Uh, there are definitely some differences from the original Burnout games. Uh, so when you take out cars on races, your uh, other opponents, uh, their uh, dead cars are still on the track. Mm, so they become additional obstacles mm. to watch out for. Which I think when you crash into one of them, it... Uh, it get it. I think it calls it nervous wreck uh, for not avoiding them. Uh, but yeah, that that game is uh, uh, a lot of fun. I definitely had some more bugs. Uh, there's one track where the the two uh, opposite sides of the highway kind of split up, and there's like a hill there. If you go off uh, to the the right side and then back up to the left, you just go flying off the track. Uh, it's just a ramp that just goes off the track, so you kind of have to pick a side to go on and stay there. Uh, otherwise, you're going to just uh, cause yourself uh, a lot of issues. And uh, yeah, I'm still going to put more time into that. That's a game that throws a lot of uh, trophies and achievements at you. Mm. Uh, I think I got 14 on the first day <laughs> uh, on that stream. Pinata. Uh, and they're not too hard in the way of... Uh, uh, what they want you to do. Initially, I thought it was because I thought I saw one of them was like, get a thousand miles on each car. I was like, that's a lot. And I looked again, it was a uh, hundred miles on each car. So essentially, just as you're like grinding out to get gold or platinum uh, medals on them, just swap them out for the next one after you get a hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cool thing they do is on the speedometer, uh, it has a mileage meter on there. So you can just sort of watch it tick up mm-hmm. as you're racing. Um, it also tell you on the menus how much you have too, so you don't have to worry too much about that stuff. But uh, yeah, that game is just a, a lot of fun. the The weird thing is the the loading screens are just like suggestions for things to do. But after you've done like ten races, you've already seen everything. <laughs> so it's like, have you tried race? And it's like, what? <laughs> I'm ten races. Well, I will playing. now. Yeah, it's like, have you tried <laughs> boost? It's like, what? Uh, at a certain point, it needs to just like tell you information about the race, uh, the event you're doing. Yeah. Versus just like, have you, you know, have you tried the sedan? It's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm in the sedan section. What are you talking about? Yeah. Or is uh, it just like start pulling out random Wikipedia articles while it, while it loads? <laughs> uh, have you tried Nazis? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, that game is just uh, a lot of fun. And it's a it's a type of racing game that we have not had in over ten years at this point. Yeah. Since I think Revenge when that came out. Um, but yeah, that yeah, I definitely recommend that if you're into uh, the old Burnout games, because that game very much uh, is doing a lot of cool stuff there. Uh, I did one of the the they do some like trial runs where you can test out cars you don't have unlocked yet. So I did the mm-hmm. one that's the like the Formula One car. 
And holy shit, that is fast. Uh, I don't think I got a goal anywhere close to that on that. Hmm. Uh, I was just trying to get to the the end at all. So I think if you don't beat the the bronze time, it just fails you out. Yeah. Uh, and that sure is a, a hell of a test, especially when it's like the second race on the the second set of uh, uh, challenges. Mm. So it's something you get to pretty early on. But uh, yeah, I definitely recommend that. Um, also been playing more MLB 19 the show. Uh, now that there are some user rosters out there uh, with all the all the real people in the minor leagues, uh, I decided to start over again on my uh, my road of the show player. Mm. Uh, which uh, didn't go as well as my first time because uh, with the dynamic uh, batting difficulty stuff, I was starting pretty high compared to where I was before. So I uh, didn't get a fir- my first hit until about three games in. Versus, I think the first time around, I was hitting like 800 after like three three games because I was just getting hits constantly. Uh, but I've gotten warmed up on that character. Uh, and still doing pretty well. Um, well, yeah, that game is still really well done. And uh, Photographs is the other game I've been playing. Uh, so do you know 10 million and uh, You Must Build a Boat? I those puzzle those. games. Uh, those are big puzzle games that uh, are essentially like mobile-style games where you start off uh, with like basic abilities and you kind of buy upgrades for... Uh, the different uh, stats and such you have, and uh, as you go, you kind of get better at everything, and you're kind of doing a uh, kind of match three style stuff. Uh, they're very silly games, uh, which is why Photographs is kind of a really uh, change of pace because it is a it is a puzzle game, but it is a puzzle game with, about characters who've had like tragedies happen to them, and uh, so like the first one you're playing as a uh, a grandfather who has kind of moved out to the countryside with his granddaughter uh, to kind of get away from the city. And uh, she comes down with a bad illness and you're kind of trying to find a cure for her. And it's like, oh, this is real grim. Uh, and I'm not going to spoil how it ends, but there's some bad shit that happens. And uh, the puzzle mechanic there is pretty neat. Uh, and it's kind of, there's five characters you go through whose stories you go through. They're not too long, about 30 minutes or so each. Um, but the uh, stories and the, the mechanics are all quite different, uh, especially the puzzle mechanics that uh, are all really well done. They're all very completely different. That's uh, I definitely recommend if you like puzzle games and are up for uh, depressing and horrifying stories. Mm. Uh, this is a puzzle game. Uh, you should definitely check out. It's on a. I don't need Tetris with depression. <laughs> oh, there's no Tetris, so don't worry about that. Uh, there's one about colonialism. Uh, there's one about uh, cynical news. Uh, there's one about uh, uh, the pressures of uh, sports. As far as it relates to like drugs and all that, uh, yeah, it's a lot of. Uh, which I like the Steam description for it is photographs is a narrative tragedy puzzle game. As the question mark in there, it's like ah, <laughs> question mark. It's like that's a thing, I guess. Yeah, 
yeah, we've made something like this, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a really well done game. Uh, but yeah, it's on mobile and PC. Uh, people should have check that out. All right. uh, and Lee, finally, wrap us up. Yeah, I got just mine's real simple this week. I've been doing, I'm still doing, playing through Dragon Quest Six when I get a second. Because like I said, those puppies I told you guys we were fostering. Well, uh, I got strong armed into adopting them, so that's gonna be that's gonna be fun. Um, so we have four dogs now, um, which I'm pretty sure is like a hair away from crazy territory. But yeah, one more uh, and uh, you're crazy. Yeah, then you yeah yeah. Well, one of the the two pups that we already had, we at one point we had three because it was my dog, my wife's dog, and my son's dog. And so for this, my wife's dog's pretty old. So and then we have like a younger one. He's I think he's three. So these two puppies really just play with him. Um, so, yeah, so I've been spending a lot of time on my porch uh, with them because we're trying to potty train them. But, you know trying to let them get exercise. So we're not cooping them up in their, in their kennel all the time. So, um, so I've been, been outside and, and, um, been playing, uh, Dragon Quest on the porch while I watch them and try to stop them from peeing on my deck. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been doing that. Um, I have been playing, uh, when I do get a second, I've been playing poker night too. Cause like I mentioned on the last podcast, I want to get the unlock for, um, Brock Sampson's hair, uh, in borderlands too. Because Brock Sampson is is the man, mm-hmm. um, and so and, and one of my buddies is actually just getting back into playing Borderlands. So I'm going to be doing Borderlands two with him, and then uh, probably with my son and my wife. So you know, get that four player carnage going on. So I'll be going through that. Man, God, it is so. It's still even I've, I've been playing it almost like two weeks straight. And a couple of things have repeated, but just the amount of dialogue in this game and the stuff. That I haven't even seen because I, I played this all the way to completion on the Xbox 360 years ago. Like I was just playing um, yesterday and I uh, beat Brock in a uh, like a head to head and like he got teleported out and like half his head was sticking out of the wall and the other half of his body was near the bar. Like I'd never seen that happen, <laughs> um, you know, and like it as you unlock different chip sets and cards and then like the felt for the table, if you line all three of them up, like a board, the borderland set, the venture brothers set, all that stuff, everybody kind of like dresses up and then you get even, uh, depending on who you do. So like if you do the venture brothers, Brock Sampson's dressed up differently. And then you hear a whole different set of dialogue that you wouldn't see unless you were playing essentially with their theme. So it's remarkable to me how much obvious love went into this game. Like I, it's still awesome. And it makes me so sad that telltale has gone and we'll never see a, a poker night three. Um, I also played a little bit of the borderlands Two game of the year, enhanced edition. The one that they released, uh, I don't know, last week, week mm-hmm. before that, maybe, um, just to kind of see what it was like. Cause like I said, my buddy Jason is going to be the one that I'm playing borderlands two with. And he was like, uh, well, yeah, you should check out borderlands one. And they, they definitely made some improvements. The inventory system is better. The, they stuck a mini map on there. I don't remember that actually being there and that useful previously. Um, but we encountered a bunch of really strange glitches. Like if he hosted the game, everything was fine. But um, I would start – all of my movements and stuff would be jerky, almost like there was some weird screwed up frame pacing. And then if I hosted the game, I saw none of that stuff, but he saw a ton of that. And I started looking online and a bunch of people were seeing those problems stuff where people would drop a gun and the gun would disappear, things like that. So there's apparently some issues with that game. I wonder if it just has to do with how they retrofitted some of the code uh, for the textures and everything. Because, I mean, Borderlands 1 is old. I think it came out, what, like 2011, 
2012, uh, something like that. So you, know, you slap a new shiny coat of paint on it, and if you start, I think Borderlands one is like 2009. Yeah, it might. Yeah, say it might be earlier than that. Yeah, you might be right. Um, I think Borderlands two was near the end of last gen, like 2011. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, so I mean, we're talking, you know, probably probably a ten year old game. So you know, some of the stuff that they added is definitely cool, but it definitely sort of feels like uh, some of it is low effort. Like you know, there wasn't a lot of play testing done with it, which I can understand. I don't know how much, how many copies of Borderlands One they were expecting to sell anyway, and especially on PC, you know, they give it away for free. So one hand, I'm not that mad, but on the other hand, it's like, come on, man, you can at least do a better job than this. <laughs> yeah, and I think they've been working on up, up fixing that stuff. Yeah, well, I'm sure in a couple of weeks it'll be fine. You know, and again, it was free because yeah. I own the game already, so it wouldn't be yeah. something like if I bought it for sixty bucks. I would definitely, if I had bought it for sixty bucks, I definitely would start a new Twitter handle and then go cuss Randy Pitchford and get and get blocked again. <laughs> um, so I've been doing that. Yeah, that happened. So, yeah, and I did. I did get blocked on on Twitter by him because he he posted something. It was like, hey guys. What uh where are you gonna be playing Borderlands three? And I'm like, I'm not really gonna be playing it anywhere, unfortunately, sir. Like I can't uh I can't support what you guys are doing in regards to the Epic Game Store. I apologize, you know, but I'm looking forward to what you guys do next. And he was just like, Well, I guess you won't have to see he said something like, Well, I guess you won't have to see anything on on uh, on my Twitter feed because I'm blocking you. And I was like, What? <laughs> like are are you for real? Like I, I didn't say anything mean. I didn't I wasn't rude. I even apologized to you for not supporting your stupid fucking decisions. But I still got blocked. So that was hysterical for me. Um, it felt very like Trumpian almost. Like, hey, man, yeah. I think maybe you could do this a different way. And he's like, fuck you. <laughs> like, it felt very much like that same kind of thing. Cause, and I, I, on one hand, I was almost sympathetic because it's like, dude, like, I'm sure you've been getting assaulted by the Twitter trolls. But, like, I didn't say anything rude. I didn't say anything mean. I even said I'm sorry that I couldn't support him. And I even called him sir. And I still got blocked. So, like, I wonder if, if you know, we talked about it on the podcast last week. Like, you have to be able to take feedback and look at what's constructive and what isn't. And that just really kind of doubled down on what we were talking about last week. Like, these guys aren't interested in anything that anybody has to say, like, at all. Because if they were – you know, you if you really were your attempt was to engage, you know, a, a response if I got one at all would have been like, well, why is that? What about the store that is it that bothers you? Or so like you can create that kind of dialogue, but instead it's like, oh, hurt her, I'm gonna block you. Like, come on, dude, you're a bitch, you're a straight up bitch, and your thong is showing. Um, so yeah, so that that's been pretty much what I've been doing. And speaking of uh of underwear, I got these new boxer shorts, guys. They're magnificent. <laughs> and I just wanted to tell you about them. They don't ride or anything else like that. And it's probably the happiest I've been in months. So I don't know what that says about my life in this current state. But these boxer shorts are, are a revelation. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's what I've been up to. Okay. Um, I was wearing these a very fine pair of boxer shorts when he blocked me from Twitter as well. Oh. <laughs> Uh, That's I, what I'm doing. I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> Other than you sound great, uh, at least. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad the Craig Robinson windscreen is working out. That was also the probably the highlight of my week. <laughs> when, when I because I ordered the one that you told me to, and it was shaped for the for the 
for the blue Yeti, but like the top of my microphone is way bigger than that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and now, like I said, whenever I take that, uh, that microfiber cloth off the top so it doesn't collect dust. Every time I take it off and look at my microphone, I laugh so hard because my microphone looks like Craig Robinson now. <laughs> so yeah. thank you. Yeah. Well, it, it worked. You sound you sound much better. There's I don't hear anything in the background anymore. It's uh, it's good. So. That's six dollars I've spent in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna bring this tweet up in another podcast and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so with that, uh, I think we'll uh, wrap up the show. Uh, remind everybody that uh, if you haven't subscribed to the show, you can uh, do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast aggregator. Uh, also, uh, make sure you check out this podcast page at smashpad.com, which. Uh, uh, will be one of the places where the Switch Fix uh, giveaway will be. Uh, the other place will be in uh, Dan Rib's review of the Switch Fix. Uh, so stay tuned for that as well. Uh, so, yeah. So with that, I have been Filippo Dinolfo, and for Patrick Mifflin, Chris Sologi, Brandon Perkins, Lee Lamb, and Dan Rib Victorio, see you next week. <laughs>